Thank you for joining me on episode 85 of the Sermon Notes edition of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today I'm sharing with you a message I gave over the summer about Mary Magdalene. Join me as I talk about Mary Magdalene's life her conversation with Jesus after the resurrection and how we can apply that conversation to our lives today. Good morning, I'm Rachel. Pastor Chris and Pastor Andrew are away, so continued prayers for them as they are gone and for safe travels. We are continuing our series of face to face, those encounters that individuals had with Jesus one-on-one. If you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 20. We will also be in Genesis chapter 3, so if you want to stick your thumb in there. Christine Kane is probably one of the most sought-after preachers, not just in the United States, but in the entire world. She runs a ministry called A21. It's a nonprofit organization that helps rescue victims of human trafficking, ministers to them, gets them the counseling and the healing they need, and then acclimates them back into the real world. And when Christine Kane was 22 years old, she was living in Sydney, Australia, and was invited to an evangelical church. She had grown up in a strict Greek Orthodox background, so coming to this church was very foreign to her because as soon as she sat down and the preacher got up on stage, she said, okay, now open your Bibles. She said, well, open your Bibles. That's what the priests do. We don't... She she was floored that here she was allowed as someone who wasn't clergy to be able to open the Bible and study for herself. And as the preacher is speaking, she's learning now about Jesus who wants to have a relationship with her. Because she showed up that morning at that evangelical church as a 22-year-old with a past, a very dark past. And here now she is learning of a God who wants to forgive that past but also wants to be a part of her future. And she gave her heart to Jesus that day and began serving in the church. And she said, with my background, I could not believe that they would let me serve and clean the storeroom. I could not believe with my dark past that Jesus would allow me to be in his house and paint the walls and clean the toilets. I am so undeserving, but yet some way, somehow, there is a God in heaven that sees me as worthy. And maybe that is you today. You showed up this morning. Maybe this was the first time you ever showed up and you're shocked that the roof didn't catch on fire. Because that's what you've always told people, right? Well, I can't show up to church because I'm such a sinner that if I show up, the church is going to fall over. Or maybe you have had a relationship with Jesus for a long time. And yet you are really struggling to feel worthy of serving God because of your dark past. That you know there is freedom in Christ, but you're struggling for what you deserve because you don't deserve grace or mercy or God's forgiveness or maybe you've never thought about where you lie you've never thought about you what you deserve or your worthiness next to Jesus see back in biblical times the people understood the difference that there was a difference between dark and light 
There was a difference between good and evil. And though they may not have handled it the best of ways, they understood that there was a difference. But here in today's culture, we've blurred the lines so much between good and evil for our own comfort. And that's why it is so important that we are in the word on a daily basis. So when we feel as though darkness is winning in our lives, we know where we can go for answers. And if you've been in the church any length of time, you've read of a woman who back in biblical days, she would have been looked at and you would have said, yep, she is not deserving. She is not deserving of God's forgiveness. She is not worthy to be his disciple. Mary Magdalene is from the Galilean city of Magdala, hence the name Mary Magdalene. And it was under Roman rule, which had very heavy pagan practices, child sacrifices, cutting, witchcraft, prostitution was very common. And Mary Magdalene was so engrossed in that culture. It was a place where darkness was winning, so much so that Mary Magdalene was possessed by seven demons. Not one, not two demons, seven. And all throughout the Gospels, and if you're new to the church, to the Christian faith, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the accounts of Jesus' ministry. And all throughout those four books, you'll see sprinkles of Mary Magdalene, and we are able to gather those pieces together and reconstruct her story. And in the book of Luke, she comes to Jesus, and Jesus sets her free of those seven demons. She leaves her pagan lifestyle and then begins to become a follower and disciple of Jesus himself. And the final piece of Mary's story we find in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene, she supported Jesus financially, but she also supported him in his death because she shows up with burial spices. Burial spices were very expensive, and the Jews, did, they did not embalm their dead, but they anointed them with the spices that delayed the decay of the dead body, but also lessened the odor. It was very expensive, it was reserved for royalty, and it was a symbol of wealth. And here she is at the beginning of chapter 20. It's early morning before light has even shown. And in the other Gospels, she comes to the tomb with other female disciples, but here at, in, in the book of John, it's just Mary Magdalene's account. She shows up at the tomb, she sees that the stone is rolled away, and there is no Jesus. His body is gone. And understandably so, she is upset. She runs, she finds two of the disciples, John and Peter, and she says, they took Jesus' body. Jesus is gone. And the disciples run, they come to the tomb, they go inside, they see nothing but linens. The linens that once wrapped Jesus' body. And a light bulb turns on. Because all throughout Jesus' ministry, they would hear Jesus say, there's going to be a time when I die and I will be raised from the dead. There will be a time when this body is broken, but in three days it will come back and be whole. They had no idea what he was talking about. It didn't make sense to them until that very moment, and they realized Jesus was resurrected. He came back from the dead. And John and Peter go home, and that is where we pick up 
John chapter 20, verse 11. If you don't have your Bibles with you, we do have, have it on the screen. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Verse 16. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave him his message. Okay, I have questions. I have so many questions when reading this account of Mary Magdalene and Jesus. You know when a child goes to that why stage and everything is why? Why this? Why that? I don't think I ever left that stage. Because I always want to know the backstory, the why behind everything. And I'm looking at this encounter between Mary Magdalene and Jesus, and I'm thinking, why did Peter and John go home? If your best friend died, and a few days later you show up to the grave, and it's dug up and completely empty, I'm not going home, I'm looking. Where'd they go? Why did the angels appear before Mary, but not John and Peter? Why did Jesus appear before Mary and not John and Peter? And why didn't Mary recognize them? So many questions, and unfortunately, I'm not able to answer all of those questions. But I believe that when we begin to unpack this conversation, we are able to find some really solid gold nuggets. But in order for us to do that, we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper into scripture instead of looking at what's on the surface. And to do that, I think we need to do two things. First, who is Mary Magdalene? I think we need to establish who she really is. We know that she's from the Galilean city of Magdala. We've already, we've already said that. We know that she was possessed by seven demons and Jesus set her free. She became a disciple. She supported him financially. She was a witness to the crucifixion of Jesus. Ten of his disciples were AWOL. They were gone, but she was there. And as Jesus was being laid into the tomb, she was there, and she watched as the stone was put right in front of the tomb. And we know that Mary was the first individual to witness the risen Jesus and was the first to share the gospel. Many theologians, they debate on who Mary Magdalene is. Was she the woman that was caught in adultery? Was she the woman that came and washed Jesus' feet with her hair? Was she a prostitute? And really, her past, what to know about her past, that's kind of irrelevant. All we need to know is she had a sinful life. She was possessed by seven demons, and you do not get possessed by seven demons living a little house in the prairie, little girl-next-door lifestyle. It just doesn't happen. She was likely heavily involved in the pagan culture in which she lived. 
Whatever her past, it was one of shame and it was one of bondage. And I think to fully grasp the conversation between Mary and Jesus, we need to do something else. The second thing is we need to go back to the beginning. The conversation between Mary and Jesus took place in the garden tomb. The tomb was in a garden. And to understand that conversation, I think we need to go back to the Garden of Eden. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see the Trinity getting creative. And they create the universe and the sun and the moon and the stars, and here is earth. And God creates night and day, land and water. The animals that fill the water and the skies and the land, vegetation, and on day six, he creates Adam, the first man. And after he creates Adam, he then creates paradise, Eden. And he sticks Adam right in Eden, and he said, Adam, look, all of this is yours. You can have all of the fruit from the trees. I just need you to take care of it. I need you to cultivate it, but this is yours except this right here. This is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is mine. You cannot eat of its fruit. You cannot even touch it or you will surely die. But everything else is yours. And then he creates Eve. And in the beginning of chapter 3, Adam and Eve are approached by Satan in the form of a serpent. And the serpent says to the woman, Are you sure? that God really said that you can't eat from this tree? Is that really what he said? Eve says, yes, we cannot eat from that tree. We can't even touch it or we will die. Oh, you won't die? Oh, you just will know the difference between good and evil. You will have knowledge, but you're not going to die. Eve is deceived. She plucks the fruit. She eats it. She hands it to her husband who is with her. He then eats it. And they realized what they had done was wrong, that they had brought sin now onto this earth. And that is where we pick up Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Uh, who told you you were naked? The Lord got asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman that you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And then the Lord got asked the woman, have you, What have you done? The serpent, He deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Verse 16. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband and he will rule over you. Skip to verse 23. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east 
of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So outside the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were banished, and there stood an angel with a flaming sword guarding the entrance into paradise. So in these two sets of scriptures, we have two gardens. We have, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, we have the Garden of Eden. And then in John chapter 20, we have the Garden Tomb. We have a place in Eden that was supposed to be paradise, a place of life that turned into a place of death. And then here, in the Garden Tomb, we have a place of death that turned into a place of life. In the Garden of Eden, you had human beings that sinned and fell. That brought sin into the world. Lori, if you can, thank you, if you can put that up. And in the garden tomb, we have someone who was fully man, fully God, that rose from the dead and brought the forgiveness of sin. In the, in the garden of Eden, we have an angel who banishes human beings from paradise, from the place of life. But in the garden tomb, we have angels that are inviting a woman into a place of death that is bringing life. In the Garden of Eden, we have Adam, who is the gardener of that Eden. And in the Garden Tomb, we have Jesus, who is also known as the second Adam, who was mistaken for a gardener. And in the Garden of Eden, we have a whole woman who was broken because of sin. And in the Garden Tomb, we have a broken woman who becomes whole because of the resurrection of Jesus. And in the Garden of Eden, we have a woman who has now been cursed and her voice silenced. But in the Garden Tomb, a woman who was given back her voice and told to go and tell. From the Garden of Eden to the crucifixion, it looked as though darkness was winning. The events that took place in the Garden of Eden brought darkness, but it was what happened in the Garden Tomb that brought forgiveness, that brought hope, and that brought life. And Mary Magdalene was living a life where darkness was winning. And even though she was set free in biblical times, she was looked at as someone who was undeserving, who was unworthy. You and I may feel as though we are unworthy, but God calls us to be a part of his story. God calls us as Christians, though we may be undeserving because of what happened in the Garden of Eden where you and I inherited the sin that Adam and Eve brought into this, work, uh, this earth, God says that we are worthy because of what happened in the Garden Tomb. And now, just like Mary Magdalene, you and I are called to go and tell. We are called to go and tell to those who feel undeserving because of the sin that happened in the Garden of Eden. And there are so many people that have no idea why they feel the guilt, the shame, the condemnation that they feel because they have no idea about their worth in what happened in the Garden too. You and I are called to go and tell. No matter your gender, no matter your socioeconomic status, no matter your social status, no matter your race, you are called to go and tell. And as we look at that conversation between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, 
and we dig deeper into the scriptures of what happened in the Garden of Eden and what happened in the Garden Tomb, here are the gold nuggets that we find the significance of that conversation. The first thing is that Mary Magdalene pursued Jesus into the unknown even though it was dangerous. Mary Magdalene showed up with burial spices. When you, when you look at, um, I want to say it's the book of Mark, excuse me. The book of Mark, Mary Magdalene is going to the tomb with other female disciples. And they have this conversation. wonder who's going to roll away the tomb for us. That was a 2,000 pound stone. Who's going to roll away that stone so we can get to the tomb, we can get to his body? Not only was that, that stone heavy, but it was sealed. In the book of Matthew, the Pharisees and the priests, they went to Pilate, and they said, hey, listen, I know this is going to sound crazy, but remember that deceiver, Jesus, that we just crucified? Well, when he was alive, he would say that after three days, he was going to rise from the dead. So we're thinking maybe we should seal that. We know that it's crazy. We know he's not going to rise from the dead. But what happens if the disciples go and steal his body? And then they're going to make the claim that he really was Lord. And Pilate says, yeah, that sounds legit. You're right. So why don't we, we put the stone in front and then we're going to seal it and we will put Roman guards in front so nobody can go and steal the body. But here's Mary Magdalene showing up to the tomb, not having any idea of how that stone is going to be rolled away. So then that begs the question, are you trusting Jesus with the unknown in your future? That's a scary question to ask. No one likes the unknown. And yes, we are to have discernment, we are to have wisdom, God calls us to prepare in certain areas, but then there are some ways that we just cannot prepare and we have to put our faith in Jesus. There was no way Mary Magdalene was going to be able to remove that stone from the tomb, but she had faith that some way, somehow, in the unknown, she was going to be able to get to his body. The second thing that we learn from Mary Magdalene is that those that have formerly had a past of darkness can now have a relationship with him. When Mary Magdalene approached the tomb and the angels asked her, why are you crying? She says, because they have taken my Lord. Not the disciples' Lord, not the king of the Jews, not Israel's Lord, they have taken my Lord. She had a personal relationship with Jesus. Though she had been possessed by seven demons, though she had a past of darkness, she was forgiven, set free, and she was now able to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so are you. Jesus was Mary's Lord. And if you are here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, he wants to be your Lord too. No matter your past, no matter what darkness is behind you, he wants to forgive and be a part of your life. The second thing we learn, or excuse me, the third thing we learn from Mary Magdalene's conversation with Jesus is that having a relationship with Jesus will motivate us to do hard things, things that we never thought possible. 
When Jesus, or when Mary is about to leave the tomb and is approached by Jesus, and she does not know yet that that's Jesus, she thinks it's the gardener. He says, Mary, why are you crying? And she says, if you have taken his body, can you please tell me where it is? I will go and get him. Really, Mary? You're what, a buck ten soaking wet? They call it dead weight for a reason. You really are going to go get Jesus' body? But following Jesus and being one of his disciples will motivate you to do the hard things that you never thought were possible. And she was willing to do the hard things to make sure that he had the royal burial that he deserved. The fourth thing that the conversation with Mary Magdalene tells us is the authenticity of the resurrection. There are lots of historians and atheists that are trying to disprove the resurrection of Jesus. Because if they can disprove the resurrection of Jesus, then Christianity does not exist. It can go bye-bye. It falls apart. Yet, we have an abundance of archaeological evidence as well as secular historical writings that prove the authenticity of Jesus. And the fact that we have the very first witness account coming from a woman is another reason of the authenticity of the resurrection. There were over 500 witness accounts of the risen Jesus, but yet Mary was the first. And back in biblical times, it was illegal for women to give a witness account. In fact, if you had a witness account, that was embarrassing. And if John was lying about the resurrection of Jesus, if the disciples really stole him, then why would you put a woman in embarrassment as your first witness? You wouldn't. You would have put that Peter and John were the first witnesses. So the fact that they were willing to be embarrassed by a woman being the very first witness shows the authenticity of the resurrection of Jesus. And number five, what we learn from the conversation between Jesus and Mary Magdalene is that you and I are called to go and tell. Jesus said to Mary, go and tell Find my brothers, let them know I'm going to meet with them. And she carried out that message. She was the very first one to tell of the gospel story, the resurrection of Jesus. That's why Jesus didn't approach John and Peter. He approached Mary because of what happened in the Garden of Eden of woman being cursed in silence he was now giving woman back her voice to go and tell. The day of the fall in the Garden of Eden. See, God always has a plan. When you and I mess up, God has already gone ahead of us, and he has a plan. And right there in the Garden of Eden, the very day that Adam and Eve fell, God prophesies. And he said that there would be hostility between the woman and Satan, and that there would come a day that a savior would come and strike the enemy on his head. And the woman had lost her equal partnership with man in the garden. 
she would gain it back through a savior, Jesus, in the garden tomb. And it was done through Mary Magdalene. And God chooses you, whether you are male or female, no matter the darkness that is in your background, he has called you to go and tell for those that feel so undeserving because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. They need to know that they are worthy because of what happened in the Garden Tomb. The parallel between the two gardens is one of brokenness made whole. It is one of inherited sin that can now be redeemed, and you are called to go and tell. I'll end with this. I love a good meme. I love a good meme. You know, those pictures that have sayings, that funny sayings that go along with it. And this has become a popular meme over the years. Tell me if you recognize it. Go ahead, Lori. You recognize that meme? Who can tell me what happened? Does anybody know the backstory to this picture? You shout it out to me. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car! Back in September of 2004, Oprah, who was the talk show host, disclaimer, I had to explain who Oprah was to somebody who was in their early 20s the other day and I felt so old. I'm like, she comes on every day after school. But in 2004, Oprah did something that no one had ever done before, and that was she gave away a Pontiac to all of the guests on her show, and then she gave everybody in the audience a white box, and they opened that box, and it was a set of keys, and everyone flipped out. They were so excited they got a new car, and she said, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car, and a meme was born. What Oprah did not factor in was the taxes that everyone would have to pay. When uh, the next year rolled around, the taxes they would have to pay on that vehicle, about six, $7,000 worth. So when Oprah decided to do the giveaway again in 2010, she made sure that there was enough money set aside to pay for the taxes for everyone who won a vehicle, and she gave away Volkswagen Bugs. And the audience, of course, they were so excited, incredibly emotional, but they all had to wait, even after the show was done, the show was done taping, they had to wait a couple hours because they had to go and visit lawyers and IRS people so they could get all the tax information, that way Oprah could pay their taxes. Cameras were not rolling, they were shut down, and Oprah kicks off her heels, and she starts talking to all the members of the audience. And you can hear pockets of people saying, well, I just don't deserve this car. This is real. I mean, I, I love it and I want it, but I think what I will do is I'll sell it and I'll give the money to my kids because they need it for something else. Or I will give my car away to somebody who deserves it more. And they were just so emotional and really struggling receiving something that they didn't earn. And finally, Oprah said, okay, everybody stop. Here's the deal. I get that you feel as though you don't deserve this car and all the other prizes that you got. I get that, that's valid. You didn't do anything to earn it, but I do want you to know this, you are worthy. You may not feel as though you deserve this car, but I want you to know that you are worthy. Disclaimer, I do not get my theology from Oprah. However, what a perfect picture of the gospel. 
that because of the garden tomb, we are undeserving of Jesus's love, his grace and mercy, excuse me, the garden of Eden. We are undeserving of Jesus's grace and mercy and his forgiveness, but yet in the garden tomb, we are made worthy. And Jesus gave us something far more valuable than a car. Gave us his life. Each and every single one of you has a price tag written on them, and it says Jesus. Jesus's life is what you are worth. You may feel so undeserving because of the sin that was inherited, that we inherited from the Garden of Eden, but you have been made worthy because of what happened at the Garden Tomb. If you could go ahead and stand with me. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I don't want to leave here today assuming everyone in here has a relationship with Jesus. If you showed up today and you said, I am undeserving, but I am at the end of myself because of my dark past, and I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that is you, would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking, I just want to pray for you. Okay, thank you. And for the rest of us, I think there's another interesting note about Mary, and that is before her interaction with Jesus, she did not believe that Jesus would rise from the dead. That's why she brought burial spices. And if you showed up today with darkness in your life and you're at a place where you just say, I don't know how the light is going to shine through and I'm struggling with trusting God for the unknown that is ahead. If that is you, I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hand? I have darkness in my life and I don't know how light is going to come through. Thank you for those hands. You can put them down. I just want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that you go ahead of us. That even though it looks as though darkness is winning, because of what happened in the garden tomb, you want to bring hope. You want to bring light. And for those of us that have darkness filling our lives, I pray that you would bring us encouragement now. I pray that you would give us that sign of hope that you are working in this situation. Father, if it's healing, I pray, God, that that healing would take place. If it's healing in a marriage, if it's healing with a relationship with a child, or maybe it's something health-wise. God, if there is a financial issue, I pray breakthrough in Jesus' name, and that light would penetrate that darkness. And Father, I thank you for what you did in the garden tomb, that though we inherited sin from the garden of Eden, you redeemed us because of the garden tomb, because of the resurrection. Thank you once again for joining me on the Unique on a Purpose podcast. And just remember, you may feel as though you are undeserving to receive God's grace, his mercy, his forgiveness because of what happened in the garden of Eden. But been made worthy with the price of Jesus's life because of what happened at the garden tomb. Just as a reminder, you 
were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next time.